According to the Australian author and palliative care nurse Bronnie Ware, people who are dying often regret leaving unfulfilled dreams and untapped possibilities. Well, this begs the question, how can we live without these such regrets? I'm Kim Forrester, you're listening to the Eudaimonia podcast, and today we're going to explore the power of passion. Welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. Plug in, relax, and get ready for the goodness as we explore the traits and practices that can help you thrive in life with your host, Kim Forrester. Dr. Dorna Marker is known around the world for her groundbreaking work in helping people learn with passion and live on purpose. She is co-founder of the Random Acts of Kindness Movement and the World Wide Women's Web, a former senior research affiliate of the Organisational Learning Centre at MIT, and author of a treasure trove of books including I Will Not Die and Unlive Life, and her latest title, Living a Loved Life, Awakening Wisdom Through Stories of Inspiration, Challenge and Possibility. It's my absolute honour to be chatting with Dorna today to talk about the power of passion and to explore how we can harness an authentic sense of purpose, momentum and contribution to live a more flourishing life. Dorna Markova, it is just a delight to have you here on the Eudaimonia podcast. Aloha to you. Aloha, aloha. It's a delight to be connected to you in this moment. Donna, passion originally meant suffering. And these days when we use the word passion, it often conjures up images of sexual vitality. What do you mean when you encourage us to cultivate greater passion in our lives? Well, a friend of mine this is a story. My brain thinks in stories, so you're going to just have to follow the threads of my story. So a friend of mine called me this morning and he, the great passion of his life was to go to Africa and to take his wife to Africa, who is a photographer. And so he's been planning it for years and years and years. And it also is the passion of his wife's life. So so they were supposed to leave in two days. And yesterday they went out on a bike ride through the backwoods of where of they, where they live in California. And make a long story short, he hit a rock and broke his collarbone. Mm. So the trip is canceled. And the trip, as you can imagine, during the age of COVID is, was challenging to arrange. And he is now basically a cripple. He has one arm that he can use and the rest of his body is in uh, reeking in pain. And he said to me, well, do you have any guidance about how this trip can be the passionate trip of my life. What do I do? Where do I find passion in this mess (laughs) is what he uh, said to me. And there was a lovely question to ask, actually, because most of where I have experienced passion is in the challenges of my life. Mm. In the places I was supposed to experience passion, I, in fact, experienced a great deal of pain. But in living on the other side of passion, you know, everything has two sides. There's nothing in nature that only comes on one side. Everything comes on two sides. And I'm thinking now I'm looking at my hands and, and I have one hand wrapped around a fist. And so I'm thinking about a seed because passion is definitely life force. There's no question about that. 
And in a seed, when you plant a seed, like if you were a child and you planted a lima bean, and the way that I used to do it with kids was they, we would put it on a paper towel and the paper towel would be moist. And the lima bean would get, the shell around it would get moist. And um, the, sh- the seed itself, the bean would push and the shell was meant to protect the bean. So it would hold on and the seed would push and the shell would protect and eventually the shell would crack open. And then this green, fierce little sprout would push out from the lima bean. And I think of the amount of passion it took for that little seed to push, to break open that shell, which had kept it safe for its whole life. And it split open. And there was this moment that to me is the ultimate experience of passion because everything that was safe and was known was no longer there. Mm. Everything that it protected was no longer there. And it took fierce passion uh, for that seed to reach out into the huge world in the same way as it will for my friend to discover that lying in bed in a, in a body cast, he too is going to have to push against that body cast that will keep him safe and to find his passion. It's not in Africa for him right now. So it is that struggle for me that is my way of finding uh, passion, finding the fierceness of the life force. Let's go into that deeper because you're talking about that fierce passion. And I actually celebrate your friend because he obviously had a passion to go to Africa. And you say he was planning for years. Many of us in life don't even get to the planning stage, Donna. Mm-hmm. Many of us have a fire that is burning inside of us. But, you know, oh, it'll come some other time or I just need to, you know, pay the mortgage off the house or just need to get the kids through school. There's always something putting it off. Do you feel that we've become maybe not just reluctant of passion or dismissive of passion, do you feel that we are also afraid of what passion asks of us as individuals? Well, I think the only thing that passion asks of us as individuals is to love the life that we are given, to love it fiercely, to love it tenderly. I think that's what life asks of us. Mm. And when you mentioned the word afraid, so there is fear, there is, is such a thing as a, as a body sensation, a throbbing, a, that is fear. And that fear is, is akin to passion, actually. What, what you're calling fear is just the shell around the seed. It's the wanting to be safe and to be protected. And it isn't really a question of either or, you know, either I'm afraid or I'm passionate. No, it's the relationship between the shell and the seed where life's passion bursts inside of us. Mm. So that's fear. But there's something else that's just a story we tell ourselves that's called scared. (laughs) I'm scared that. I'm scared that. And so we, because we're scared that it's kind of like we we keep cringing down inside that shell, 
I'm scared that I won't have enough money. I'm scared that I won't, whatever story we happen to be telling ourselves, to keep ourselves as we are. And a wonderful woman named Mary Catherine Bateson said that in her mind, the journey of life is not to get from point A to point B, not to reach a destination, but the journey itself is the home. The journey itself is where passion in life lives, not when you get someplace. So if the way that you're getting from A to C, and you're saying, when I get to C, then I can go to Africa. When I get to C, then I can fall in love. When I'm beautiful enough, tall enough, smart enough, wise enough, that's not passion. That may be excitement. It may be a way you're scaring yourself. It may be a way you're keeping yourself nice and curled up and small, and you don't want to push against the seed. But that's, that's not passion. It may be lust. It may be, I mean, who knows, you know, with the thousands of stories we tell ourselves. But in my experience, and I can only talk from my experience, my first real experience of passion as an adult was when I was 28 years old and I had married the prince. You know, I was the princess. I was married the prince. He was exactly supposed to be the right man for me. And he went looking for passion in some very horrible ways. And he, uh, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but he almost killed me and he almost killed my son who was four years old because he made too much noise and it just came over. His passion overtook him. Anyway, it was a long, terrible story. But in my family, no one ever got a divorce. And so I had very little money. I discovered that he had snorted all my inheritance up his nose. And so the story is basically, I went to a magazine. I had written one article in my life, a newspaper article about a school I had started. And a new magazine had started in a place called uh, Florida where I lived. And it was called New Woman. And I thought to myself, here I have this, you know, battered child, this, and I am a battered woman. I've never done anything on my own, ever, ever. Um, I was very protected. And that shell was very strong. And I was terrified. So I went into the editor's office. I talked my way in. I don't know how I did it. I don't know who it was that was talking to the editor. Her name was Margaret Harold. And I said, mm-hmm. I want to write a column for your magazine. I had no idea what I was going to say before I opened my mouth. And it's going to be called uh, Alternate Lifestyle for a Frustrated Housewife. <laughs> and somehow I talked her into it. Somehow. And I ended up buying a Mercedes diesel in Germany and driving 50,000 miles with a four-year-old son and a very battered self around the world. And we went to Africa, we went to China, we went to Japan. Nobody had ever been in China. We followed Nixon into China. We went down the whole coast of Africa. I mean, it, it was a very long and very full journey. And it was my passion that led me. And my fear was in the beginning, David, my son would say to me, where are we going, mommy? And I said, away from here. 
that was the shell speaking. That was the hmm. that that was all I knew. That was the fear speaking. But where I was going to, I had no idea. And it was that unknown that actually was the fertile ground of my passion. And it was risking the unknown because everything I had done up until that point was known. I knew how to be a princess. I knew how to marry a prince. I did everything right. And the known did not lead me where I wanted to go. Donna, can I just touch on that? Because some of my listeners right now are listening in and they're concerned that they're not terribly passionate about anything. Maybe they used to be fully engaged with something and maybe that no longer lights their fire. It's also possible that they're sitting there going, nothing lights my fire at the moment, or at least there is nothing I can see in my world or in my possibilities that lights my fire. What is your advice to anyone who's struggling to either preserve an old passion or identify a new one? (laughs) I think you need to have an affair, but not an affair with another person. I think you need to, to flirt with your passion. I think you need to, and I'm saying this and, and I feel my cheeks turning pink when I say it, because I can't tell anybody else uh, how to find passion. I can only talk about my own life, but I can explore and share mm-hmm. some questions and some processes that I have used to help other people find uh, ways to live a passionate life. There is no such thing as passion. It is not a noun. It is not a thing. It is a verb. Mm. So to have an affair with passion, you need to keep it a secret to begin with. And you need to begin a conversation with it. You know, if the conversation for some people, it's a spoken conversation when they're going for a walk. For another person, it might be some a conversation that they have in their mind when they just write at night in a book before they go to sleep or first thing in the morning or when they're supposed to be sitting and pretending they're meditating. You begin a conversation and go, passion, where are you? Where is that? I knew you once. Where are you? And there is no one that hasn't known passion because there's no one that's born an adult. Everyone is born <laughs> as a child and there's no child that I've ever known or I've ever seen that uh, it does not live with passion. So we've all just lost it or put it in a safe deposit box or forgotten. It's still there in the brain. It hasn't disappeared. So you need to begin to flirt with your passion, as it were, or if that seems too outrageous even, to begin to explore it. And sometimes, you know, when I ask people, well, write with both your hands, your right hand and your left hand, your dominant hand, your non-dominant hand, whichever it is. And begin with your dominant hand. That's your habitual way, your safe way. That's the shell around the seed. And just begin to write, dear passion, where are you? I knew you when I was six. I haven't known you in 30 years. Where are you? What are you so afraid of? And then throw the pen in your non-dominant hand and let your non-dominant hand begin to answer your dominant hand or respond. Wow. It will be very awkward because we it's new neural pathways that we don't use. But it, the letter, the writing will, will not be beautiful. It'll be weird. However, it will be wise and it will be truthful. Donna, you keep bringing us back to this beautiful idea of the seed. 
and and the passion being you know locked within the confines of that seed and and I think of your friend now inside his cast on the hospital bed yes. passion is commonly associated with with action with assertiveness with forward motion and yet you say and as you've displayed already in the conversation here when we find ourselves devoid of passion and purpose, the first thing we need to do is stop. You wrote that in your book, I Will Not Die an Unlived Life. Yeah. What can we learn about passion in the stillness? Passion, you know, is born in stillness. A seed, again, I'm going to go because passion is a life force. It's a life energy. It is the energy of life. And it isn't in action. A seed is born where I used to live, they had a winter. They don't have a winter where I'm living now, very much or a visible winter. But under the ground, I used to have peony bushes. And in the winter, you would see nothing. It would be frozen. <laughs> and in the spring, there would be this breaking open. And the breaking open was the ground and that pushing up of the seed. And then the seed would be like a fist. It would be a tight ball and all over the seed would be crawling these little ants and the ants would be eating the sticky stuff that held that seed in a ball. And when the sticky stuff was eaten, the ball would open and the most gorgeous, deep red, fuchsia, pink, hot flower would emerge. So where was the action? Was the action that gave birth to that passion? Was it under the ground when it was frozen? Is it in the moment it broke it open? Is it when you're making love with somebody, where is the passion? Is it what draws you to a person? Is it the actual orgasm? Is it after the orgasm in the moment when you're floating and you're feeling fully alive? And what what, what is the, we are we give a noun to something that is a verb, that is mm. a process of life. It is not a thing. And as soon as you make it a thing, you have to have it take it, get it, you're not good enough for it, you know, it becomes dead. I love that so much, Donna. You suggest that it's the questions we ask ourselves that can determine the amount of passion and purpose that we invite into our lives. Yeah. I love that idea of using our dominant hand to ask the question and our non-dominant hand to answer it. Yes. What would you like my listeners to understand about the power of questions? What is it about inquiry that can help us, that can help open our eyes to this concept of passion? Oh, Kim, I love that question. I love questions. I'm a question junkie. I'll tell you why. I was trained as a cognitive neuroscientist, okay? So I spent a lot of early years when I was doing research, you know, watching people's brains on monitors as they, quote, thought, unquote, or cognated, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and one of the things that I found that was very interesting was that when the brain makes connections, which is actually where passion is born, it's the ants that are crawling all over the surface of the peony that eat the sweet stuff. It's that connection that actually causes passion to ignite. When the brain is questioning is when the brain begins to go from a state called beta waves where your brain is filled with answers, da, 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 A and B, and you are smart and I am dumb and you go here and I'll go here. Okay, there is no passion in the brain from what I could see. 
And your brain's mainly producing beta waves. And it's how we dominate one another. You know, the person with the loudest voice and the strongest voice and the, all the answers, that person dominates in a situation. But that is not passion. That's not where passion is born. But you go from that state of knowing next into a state of curiosity. Your brain begins to produce more alpha waves. You begin to daydream. Well, I wonder, maybe you get curious. Hmm. Then if you allow that to happen, like the peony opening up, your brain goes into this state of theta waves where there's big spaces between your thoughts, kind of. I wonder, well, uh, oh, where was I? I was at exit 31 on the highway, and now I'm at exit 35. Who was that person driving the car? (laughs) In that state of wonder is where wisdom is born. It's where passion emerges. And it's where connection is made or partnership. You watch on the brain, the whole outside surface of the brain lights up, literally, when a person is wondering. It's the state before inspiration. So wondering gives an orgasm, if you will, of the mind. Aha, it's an insight. It's a passionate surge. And it happens after wonder. And this, what gives birth to wonder is curiosity and luscious questions. So if statements are what creates domination, then questions and true wondrous questions, I don't mean what do you want for dinner, dear? I mean questions when you don't know the answer. That is the uh, nature's way of teaching us to partner and connect. That is so extraordinary. My whole body is tingling with the idea of living in or or stepping into that state of wonder and curiosity and inquiry. Mm -hmm. Can we just step back very briefly? You were talking about your husband, your prince, and the choices that he made in his life. My husband. Your your husband. So let's step back and talk about your husband and the choices that he was making in his life. Do you feel that passion can misguide us? Is it possible for us to pour our energy, our intention into things that are ultimately not healthy for us? And if so, how can we tell that we've misplaced our passion? What a great, God, you asked wonderful questions. Okay, so I can talk about him. He's no longer alive. So therefore, that's fine. (laughs) So what was true about my husband was that he was raised to believe nothing he ever did was good enough. He was very brilliant. And his father competed with him all the time. So um, whenever he would become successful, his father would do whatever he could to hold him down. And so Mm. he was in this continual struggle between the life force that wanted to blossom and his experience that said that if he blossomed, he would get beat up by his father. And so he didn't trust his own capacities and his own passion. So he had to find passion someplace else, but he didn't find passion. He found a reasonable facsimile because passion Mm. comes, remember, it's the blossoming that is innate to us, that the life force wants in us. 
So cocaine, uh, sexual escapades, uh, all of that was this search for a high, if you will, but it wasn't passion. And at the end of our uh, relationship, the end of our relating, I walked into our bedroom and there he was with my best friend. And I was such a good princess. They were in bed, of course, that I hung up their clothes that were on the floor in the closet. And I left. And when I came home later that evening, because I had all I did was drive our station wagon around and around. I didn't know where to go. He had written on all the mirrors and all the windows in the house, I want to be miserable, leave me alone. Wow. So that is not passion. No. Cocaine did not leave him to passion. Orgasms didn't lead him to passion. What he was doing, in fact, was holding back the passion. And when his son, my son, would start to cry, the noise would remind him of the fierceness of life. And he had to make the noise stop. So he beat up our son. When I would ask questions like, what do you need? What do you want, Steve? He had to make me stop asking questions to which he could not find the answer. So he had to beat me up. Hmm. That's not what life asks of us. And yet I'm reminded of the ways that we use the word passion. Oh, yes. And it seems to me that we misuse that word oh, passion. Yes. And, in, yes. and, and in misusing the word passion, when we talk about an aggressive and an angry human being, when we talk about passion, when it is, you know, ambition at all costs, mm-hmm. when we talk about passion where it is fiery and destructive, we are actually dishonoring what passion truly is. We are dishonoring the sanctity and the beauty that lies within pure, authentic, soulful passion. Would you agree? Of course. Because Mm. passion, first of all, is a verb. Second of all, passion is meant to foster life. And passion is meant to create connections. That's what the brain is just filled with all these neurons that whose purpose is to create connections. When whatever it is you're calling X, when it leads to domination, that is not passion. Donna, that is just so profound. My final question, and I regret that we've come to my final question, but here we are. My final question is one that I ask every guest on the Eudaimonia podcast. Donna, can you offer my listeners a morning reminder? This might be a practice, a mantra, a favorite affirmation, something that can help us all reclaim that sense of purpose, reclaim that momentum that is embedded in purpose each day. Well, what I'd like to share is brand new. It was evoked. uh, Passion always evokes. It never provokes. It evokes. And it was evoked by your asking me to do this with you. And I'm going, well, why do I want to do that? It's a gorgeous day. I could be out on my potter's wheel making beautiful bowls. But I did. There was something in me that said yes. And so this poem was born to you, who I have no idea what you look like, uh, how you dress. I now know you're almost 50, but that's about it. Anyway, so this is what I would like to offer. 
and it ends in a question. And it's called These Hours. I wonder how this day will change you. Will the corners be sharper or rounded off? Will you make decisions that quiet your heart? Will you learn from the things you drop as well as those you pick up? At the end, will you praise the boundaries where one life begins and another ends? Will you jump off at the ragged edge between fear and possibility? In the last moment of this day, how will you respond to the single simple question, did I love well? Donna, thank you. That is beyond any words I have the capability to find right now. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful, beautiful creation. Well, this is, this is Kim's poem. Oh, and my grandmother taught me to say, when somebody says thank you, my grandmother taught me to say, I make your words welcome in me. So I do, Kim. I make your words welcome in me. And I am very grateful that we got to share this, this little tiny piece of our life with each other. Donna Markova, my heart is smiling from this, <laughs> this short time that I've had to spend with you. If listeners want to learn more about the work that you do, you literally have a little treasure trove of inspiring, uplifting, empowering books. Your latest book is called Living a Loved Life. Where can people find out more about you? Well, I have a website, or the website has me, I'm not sure, but it's called Donna Markova. It's my name, D-A-W-N-A, Markova, M-A-R-K-O-V-A.com. And on the website, there are, there are musings, there is poetry, there's music that my current husband of 44 years composes to go with it, and photographs, and a place to reach me and send me questions or whatever. So DonnaMarkova.com. I am simply grateful for your graceful, gracious, and poetic presence on the Eudaimonia podcast here today, Donna. Thank you for choosing to come on board. In, in Hawaiian, they say ahuiho, which is until our spirits touch. Ahuiho. Ahuiho. Ahuiho, Kim. As Oprah Winfrey once said, passion is energy. Feel the power that comes from focusing on what excites you. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe. Check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes or come join me on Instagram at I am Kim Forrester. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself and reclaim your passion. Your passion.